0: feeling that he's still around metaphysically brings a lot of comfort and knowing like the reason I do the things I do is partially because of him and I know like he, he's still like very proud of the things that I was he is still proud of the things that I'm like currently doing so it's definitely tough but like it's one of those things you kind of just have to go through it does get easier as far as learning to deal with it
1: Welcome to Living As You. I'm Patrick Quinn, a brain enthusiast, mental health advocate, and aspiring medical professional. And I'm here today to break down the stories behind the curtain. The moments of inspiration, the defining moments of our lives, and the shaping influences that have led inspiring leaders to live a life authentically to themselves. The conversation of authentic living this week is with entrepreneur, fitness trainer, and baseball operations fellow, Jeremy Dorsey. Growing up in the Midwest, Jeremy, or J. Remy, as many call him, loved a couple things in particular, creating and baseball. From playing on teams as a kid to securing a spot as a sales associate for the St. Louis Cardinals in high school, Jay Remy walked into the University of Notre Dame in 2014 with baseball on his mind. While in South Bend, he became the student manager for the ND baseball team, as well as the scoreboard operator, all while pursuing a degree in statistics. After graduating in 2018, he secured an internship with the Atlanta Braves as a minor league video and information intern and baseball operations trainee before a new position came available in January, 2021. He currently supports the Braves organization as a baseball operations fellow while additionally running his Dorsey Healthy Living fitness training business as a health and fitness coach. Passionate about all things baseball, fitness training, and the Atlanta Braves, he continues to pursue his lifelong dreams of becoming an MLB general manager and winning a World Series. With that, let's get to this week's conversation with Jeremy Dorsey. Dude, what's going on? The Atlanta Braves master himself. How are we doing? I'm pumped to be seeing you, man. Is that the new Atlanta Braves logo that you're wearing?
0: No, it's like the retro one.
1: Dude, we're going old school, man. Okay, you got to give me a little two to three old school legendary Braves names um
0: how old are we talking (laughs) last 20 to 30 years so i guess that one's easy you go with the trifecta of the pitchers like greg maddox john smoltz tom glavin let's go I no there was no better there was no better three in the 90s than those guys
1: man i forgot greg maddox so he was on the cubs for a while yeah we're big greg fans i forgot He was with the Braves, man. Yeah. That guy was a stud. Jay Remy, Jeremy Dorsey, hailing from the great Atlanta, Georgia, Mr. Baseball Operations of the Braves himself. Welcome to Living As You. How you doing, my man?
0: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Pat. Um, Pat, I never called you Pat before. PQ, thanks, Pat Quinn, for having me on. Uh, Excited to be here, man. Very excited to be here. Thank you. Dude. We've had some fun conversations over the last couple of months, talking books,
1: education, changing the world, big dreams. I've been looking forward to this conversation for, for a long time, man. Come on, let's go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay Remy, so I want to start our, begin our conversation today by diving into your story. That's something I like to do with a lot of our guests here on Living As You. And specifically, I have two questions for you. Where does your story begin and with whom
0: does it start with? Oh, that's an interesting question. I guess there, there's a couple ways to answer it. There's the obvious answer. Um, it starts with birth and my parents. Um, but I think, um, you know, this journey that I'm on now <clears throat> starts around the age of six or seven uh, with my dad. As a kid, I was always very curious. And so I, I was the kid who watch all these movies and, and see all this cool stuff. And then we'll go to my dad and write draw a picture of something like, Dad, we should invent this. I, that was I was that kind of kid I, The creativity was through the roof. Dad, we should, uh, I'm sure you know, for those who, who have seen Spy Kids, they had all the cool gizmos and gadgets. And um, I went to my dad and I was like, hey, we should build a watch that does all of this more than just tell time. I came up with an idea we should have a pantry. And I actually take a little bit of credit for the fridge refrigerator idea that's similar to this, but we should have a pantry that has a screen on the door and it basically tells you what's inside. And so I went to my dad, was like, dad, we should do this. That way you don't have to go in the pantry to see if it's there. I love Um, it. And then you just like, you, you push that you want it and it like basically opens up and now you've got it. Um, And then obviously they made something very similar with their fridge where that you know, you can see into the fridge before you actually open it. So as a kid, I was very creative. Um, and my dad played on that very well. Um, so Jeremy, you should, you know, be an architect one day. And that was, you know, I think as kids, we all have dreams of being the impressive things, whether that's like firefighters, um, for a lot of people, it, it may be like a professional athlete, let's go to the NBA or the WNBA, or, you know, prof- play professional baseball, softball, whatever it is. Um, or like, for me, the very first thing was like, I wanted to be an astronaut. I think for my like fifth Halloween, I was, I was an astronaut. I wanted to be an astronaut or I was an astronaut for my fifth Halloween. Um, But the creativity really sparked around like seven, eight, nine with me wanting to build these things with my dad. And he was like, yeah, you should be an architect. So I, I basically grew up thinking that I was going to go to school and study architecture from a robotics type perspective. Um, So, you know, mom put me in camps, um, a lot of like engineering camps, which I just absolutely loved. Um, And we did a lot of robotics things. And that was like a ton of fun and yeah, I, I really enjoyed those things, and then junior year of high school, I met with an architect, one who actually goes to my former church. After that conversation, I knew architecture was like, was not going to be for me. Um, architecture is very cool, um, and I applaud anybody who does it, because it's very tough work. I just obviously didn't have the passion for it. I didn't want to draw blueprints um, for like buildings and such. I think my architecture mindset was more so around robotics, which isn't really even architecture. It's more engineering, and so, After that, it was okay. Well, what am I gonna do? Um, From there, it was I was exploring a a bunch of different things. And one thing my dad had always told me—you know—he had always been a very integral part of my um, development. Obviously, both my parents were, but from a professional standpoint, like my dad was very, um, very, 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 very much a part of that for me. One thing he told my brother and I was like, "Whatever you do, like, make sure you absolutely love it, because you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life, like, never." And so, from that moment on, when he told us that. I had it decided that I'm never going to enter a job long-term that I don't absolutely love. It's not going to be an option. Obviously, sometimes you kind of have to grind through short spurts. Um, Sometimes you just may not like it, and that's the tough part about it. But to get where you want to go, you may have to just do it. Like, that happens. I'm not advocating, like, not to do that because sometimes you just have to. But, I mean, speaking long-term, you know, and I'm talking over the course of years, you know, you should definitely do do something professionally that you enjoy. And so I had a really big affinity for math and a really big affinity for baseball, um, hence the Braves. And obviously, you know, Pat Quinn said uh, Mr. With <laughs> Mr. Baseball operations analyst. And so, yeah, I, I kind of senior year or junior year and beyond kind of decided that I was going to work in professional baseball. I knew that I wasn't going to play. Um, wasn't that great. Couldn't hit. Could, I could catch the ball in the outfield, but I couldn't hit. And so I, I went to, I went to college um, and, the re- and through the rest of high school, knowing that I wanted to work in professional baseball. So I ended up studying statistics at Notre Dame. And so, with, with the intention of, of doing that, and tried to get involved with the baseball team there, which I, I did work with. And was fortunate enough a few months after graduation to end up landing an internship with the Braves, um, which has kind of brought me to, to where I am now. So that's kind of how you know, that's my story as far as um, getting to baseball. You know, it all started with. My dad sparked my creativity when I was young um, and just really honing in on that and basically saying, hey, go do what you want because the sky's the limit. And even then, <laughs> the limit keeps going. So
1: yeah. That's fantastic. It sounds to me like your dad played such an incredible role in empowering you and your your entire family, your siblings to go after those things that fill your heart, to go after whatever fires you up, man. Yeah. And I think like, especially today, there's so much in society. There's so many parents who feel that pressure to put that, that on their kids, to go get the job. that's gonna make the money or that's gonna look good or bring the family honor. And it's like, I mean, I'm so, I feel the same way as you, beyond grateful to have parents, but specifically a father, a dad, it was the same way. He's like, man, just go out there, go after your dream, go try something. If you don't like yep. it, go try something else. Can yep. you tell me more about your relationship with your dad and um, and really just how he's, he's, a lot of these philosophies have shaped your life?
0: Yeah. Um, so it's, it's actually pretty unfortunate. You know, he passed away uh, May of 2020, which was a shock for me and my family, which is tough. Cause I would say like, he was easily like my number one mentor. We talked every day. He was my best friend. The reason I am who I am today is obviously a lot of people know him, my mom, my wife, um, friends, extended family, etc. But like he played an extremely integral role in my life, which I don't know if it's weird, but like he still does. And so like him and I were close, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to be the first to say like, we were like, you know, extremely close. I think we were over the last couple of years, especially as I got older and more mature. Um, but I think everybody kind of goes through high school, like not wanting to be around your parents as much as you gain a little bit more independence. And then as you realize what that independent is, you're like, oh, wait, I actually do, like, love my parents a ton <laughs> and would like to, like, be around them and hang out with them and talk to them a lot. So my dad was, like, very, both of my parents are very welcoming in that, We're very welcoming in that standpoint, um, but... But yeah, he like, he influenced a lot of the things that I do. I was the first person I would go to for, he was the first person I would go to for advice. We talked about literally everything, you know, potential business ventures we would do together as I got older, really anything, you know, he was, he and my mom were huge reasons that I was able to go to Notre Dame um, and graduate, get through it. Um, And he was, I mean, he was very proud of that. My brother went to Ohio State and, you know, he had um, on his car, he had, you know, the front license plate was an Ohio State. One of the back license plate was Notre Dame. So he was, like, very proud of, like, my brother and I for, like, having gone there. Uh, he was the first person in, in his family to, like, go and graduate from college. So big deal for him. And then to see his kids go to, like, you know, various, very highly regarded universities was something that he was very proud of. Um, and I obviously didn't do that to make him proud. It was something that, like, I did for myself. But it was also awesome seeing just he was, like, not necessarily just to, like, show off, but, he was just very happy, like for my brother and I, that he was like, wow, like my, my sons did this. Um, and so he's, he's you know, a very important figure in my life. And even though he's no longer here physically, like he definitely still is and influences a lot of the things that I would do and like how I would like to uh, raise and take care of my future family.
1: I'm so sorry, J. Remy. I can't even, I can't even imagine again, like we've talked what, um, how hard that's been to have lost him. Um, oh, at you. least maybe his physical presence on this earth um, but it gives me a lot of joy and, and peace to hear that a lot of those values and a lot of those things you've been telling me maybe a little bit too about some of the books that he loved you've been reading mm-hmm. just really trying to again channel this loving presence into your life every day how has again I can't even imagine overcoming this sort of obstacle especially so early on In your life how have you learned to deal with adversity especially something like this in such a extreme manner especially during this time of a global pandemic i can't even fathom
0: yeah so that's that's where things get interesting because um like i said like him and i were extremely close um and so like obviously it's it sucks to lose a parent um like more than more than anything i would never ever wish that on anybody and the thing I kept hearing from everybody was how are you handling this so well? And I don't think I was looking back on it. I think in the moment I thought I might've been, but I definitely had nights that I would just cry or just random moments that I would just think of him and, and cry. And it's, it's obviously easier. Now I've got like different things around him or even around this room that I can look at and not just like start crying immediately. But I think the thing that really helped was knowing that even though he wasn't Physically here, like I still felt him with me. So, you know, my wife and I got married um, last September. He passed away in May. Um, and you know, I, I talked to my brother and my mom and my wife afterwards, and we we're like, yeah, even though he wasn't here, it like still felt like he was here. And so, just like the comfort of knowing that I can feel him still is like, okay, yeah, this like makes it a little bit better. And I feel like he's like guiding me still, um, which is actually kind of like you know he's indirectly the reason I started like the business that I just launched right because um, I, I I started an, an online fitness and nutrition coaching business and and he passed away from cancer and had cancer eight years ago and beat it um, and I was like well why did these things happen and so I did a bunch of research around like why cancer happens and obviously sometimes it just kind of happens but a lot of times it's like easily I don't want to say easily but you can minimize minimize getting it it was the reason I like started all this because without having gone through that initial journey, like I wouldn't have done a whole bunch of research into like why those things happen and you know, how we move affects the way we live, how we eat affects the way we live. And so my business is called Dorsey healthy living, which obviously I get my last name from my dad. So he's always got his stamp kind of on that. And even like when I just think about it, the reason I'm starting this is because, and he didn't live an inherently unhealthy life, but like without having gone through that journey because of him, I don't start this. So just getting back to your question, Honestly, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that like I think you have to just kind of go through. And um, it's, it, it's it's just like a silly reference, but you know, in Finding Nemo, when the fish tell them like go through it, not over it. That's basically what I think of. Like, don't try to go around it. Don't try to like not cry. Like, if you feel like crying, just do it. Um, if you need someone to talk to, just reach out. Like whether that's like friends, family, whatever. And every time I felt those moments, I would just like talk to Zoe. I would talk to my mom. I would talk to my brother. I would talk to my friends. Um, if I ever just felt like crying, I would just do it. Because I realized like, it's either going to hurt now, it's going to hurt later. And it's, it's always going to hurt. Like it, it doesn't actually like get better. You just learn to deal with it. But like feeling that he's still around metaphysically, I think is the term, brings a lot of comfort. And knowing like the, the, the reason I do the things I do is partially because of him and i know like he is still like very proud of the things that i was he is still proud of the things that i'm like currently doing so it's definitely tough but like you know it's it's one of those things you kind of just have to go through it does get easier as far as learning to deal with it so
1: you're amazing man what hits me when you share all of that just incredible wisdom from this extraordinarily difficult situation and circumstance and what you've gone through in the last 15, 18 months, because so it sounds like you've throughout all of this been able to find some ways when this has happened to positively, in a sense, like you said, somehow kind of cope with it, deal with it. And I think that's the coolest thing about one of the coolest things about all of this, and it just stands out about you, Jay remy and your strength, is the fact that you were able to channel all of this adversity, all this tragedy into some really remarkable positive end results, positive coping mechanisms. And adversity hits people every single day in life. And I think part of it is we have a choice whether we want to enter or respond with with certain things. We can respond with connecting with others, drugs and alcohol, uh, crying, uh, starting something constructive, honoring the one that we love. And so I've thought about that the last couple of years of making, how do we make our almost default coping mechanisms, positive ones? What exactly what you've done? Can you talk yeah. about that? Or maybe how you've been able to channel all this, this grief Um, in pain again I don't even I can't even imagine what you've gone through into such positive light
0: yeah I guess I'll preface all of this by saying but very obviously you know me but um I'm a very like positive person in anything I've I've always looked for what is like the quote-unquote silver lining or like what is something good that comes out of this and obviously there's nothing good about losing a parent there's just zero nothing Um, But even then, I wasn't necessarily looking for ways to, like, stay happy, but more so, okay, I can't necessarily change that he's gone. But my big thing was like, okay, how can I like honor my dad? The craziest part about all of this was, you know, when he passed away, obviously, we my dad's network was insane. He taught my brother and I networking for as a very young age, he probably knew everybody in the world, like in some form or fashion. And we had people calling us to express their condolences and their grief who we'd never met before. And they would call us, literally my mom was telling me, they would call my mom and be like, hey, I only met, my dad's name was Alan. I only met Alan one time, but he did this for me and I'm so sorry he's gone. And we were just like, you met this guy one time and you're calling us to like express your grief. Like he was that, he had that big of an impact. And so my big thing was, okay, how can I continue his legacy while making it my own? And I think the biggest takeaway was like, cause my dad was also like, if, if you met my dad, you'd know, but he was extremely into Apple products. He loved his electronics, like Mac, he had everything. Mac, it's not necessarily brag. He just loved it. He had Mac, iPad, Apple watch, iPhone air, like everything. Um, And I think the thing that hits you, like, when somebody so close leaves is, especially under these specific circumstances where we have all these people reaching out was all of his I went home, you know, back to St. Louis, and all of his stuff was still there. And I was like, Oh, you look around, his briefcase, his clothes, like, because he was also really in the suits. So he had a bunch of suits, a bunch of different ties, Uh, which is funny, because I hate suits. (laughs) But you know, you look around and like all the stuff is still there. And you're like, yeah, literally he passed away like two weeks ago and none of that went with him. But like the impact he made on people's like, what's everlasting. Um, And so now people are like beginning to see that my brother, my mom and I, um, as we just like continue to live life without him. As far as like channeling into positive energy is like, I basically made a choice and I don't know that I like actively made it in the moment, but I made a choice to honor him rather than while being sad that he was gone and I I think part of it is also just I'm wired just very weirdly in that I want to be prepared for a lot of situations and I'm not necessarily prepared for losing a loved one but prepared for how to continue when I start to feel better and so obviously I kind of went into that not knowing that it was going to happen but I was just kind of like because I had started business things like a little bit before he passed while he was sick but didn't obviously know he was going to pass away and so I I I kind of just kept going with everything and it's like I said it's it's a tough thing to do until you actually experience it. And like I said I I would never wish that on anybody especially like young but even when you get older it's tough. I guess if you expect it 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 makes it not even that much easier. I don't even want to say that because it's not but you know channeling it into You know positive energy and positive outcomes is tough but when you have a parent like i did it's it feels that much easier because he wouldn't want me to just like sit on the couch and just be sad all day he would say get up go to work do what you got to do um and so i felt like i was able to honor him in that way because yeah you guys anybody in my family there's no way he would want us to sit around for weeks on end and just like be sad that he was gone he would no, keep going. You got good stuff. <laughs> You're building some awesome stuff. You know, you've got your baseball career started, which is what you wanted since you were in high school. Like, no, keep going. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, I guess when you have a parent like mine, it makes it that much easier, but.
1: Thank you. That's legendary. Dive into Dorsey Healthy Living. One of the most incredible ways that you've been able to honor your dad. You've been working on this business this craft now for so many months you recently had a big launch this is again a way that you are sharing your love of fitness your love of helping people attain greater physical mental health a way that this has been again a lot motivated through your dad's love and obviously everything that you've gone through these 18 months I mean come on for people that don't know dorsing healthy living and the big launch drop recently dive into that man take us through the craft
0: yeah so it's very weird I played sports in high school didn't play past and really didn't start working out for myself until almost the end of sophomore year of college I I dabbled in it. obviously when you get to college everybody's like hey let's go like let's go get a workout like it's chess day and you're like you go and you have a really good workout, you're sore for a couple days, but then you don't see the gym for maybe two or three weeks because you're like, I don't have a schedule. Like I said, Dorsey of the Living was born out of, it. it upsets me. It upset me when I found a ton of research around how the things we do in life affect our health later on. So how active we are, what we consume as far as like a food perspective, that kind of stuff frustrates me, especially then when I turn around and hear so-and-so had a heart attack at age 40. A heart attack is usually nothing more than blockage of blood going to the heart. Same with the stroke, but to the brain. Those things, I don't want to say that they're preventable because they're not, but they're minimizable. I don't even know if that's the word I want to use, but you can minimize your chances for those things according to how you choose to live. Um, and so my big focus is longevity and chronic disease. Like I'm no doctor, I'm not even like a registered dietitian by any Mac. I'm just a kid who did a ton of research over the last eight years, maybe, uh, maybe a little less, maybe like six, who basically wanted to start something that wasn't so aesthetics based. And I'll be the first person to say it's fine, it's totally fine if you want to you know, achieve a certain physique. There's people who do those competitions and stuff all the time. I wouldn't do it. But if that's your forte, then I'm, I'm, I'm for it. My focus is your average everyday person who like may or may not be overweight, but just like wants to be a little bit healthier. Maybe they want to be able to keep up with their kids or if you're a little bit older, keep up with your grandkids. Or, you know, maybe they um, are like me. And granted, my dad was 65 when he passed, which is still extremely young. But, you know, maybe they lost a parent at age 30 or whatever, like when they were super young um, and don't want to like follow down that same path or, you know, of ex- obviously extreme obesity is like tearing up the country world right now. Um, and so that's like my big focus is, uh, and granted, I, I think I I expand to the masses and like, if somebody like wants to put on a good amount of muscle, like I can also help there. And same with the with the opposite effect. But the reason it came about was you know, obviously my dad, but then an affinity for like wanting to minimize those things because I, you know, personally, I want to live to, I want to see a hundred. I want to live to a hundred, but I also don't want to be, you know, 75 and like wheelchaired around. Like I, I, I want to be able to walk. I want to be able to play with my grandkids, keep up with my own kids when, you know, when my wife and I have some one day, those are things that I would like to be able to do. And I know. People just get tired from doing your normal things, whether that's like going for a walk, going up the stairs, working, playing with your kids, playing with your grandkids.
1: Yeah. And if I if I'm hearing you correctly, Dorsey Healthy Living is all about kind of like I just finished Atomic Habits by James Clear. I okay. don't know if you've read the book. I have not I will, it's though. all about making the the tiny changes in your life, like increase one percent, get one percent better in your sleep, get 1% better in your hydration, get 1% better. And boom, I think he says like compound interest of self-improvement is your habit. Something like extraordinary, awesome like that. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what makes Dorsey Healthy Living or this vision that you're creating, bring to life different from all these other kind of health fitness companies is you're focused on, the small things, but empowering other people to say, we're not about just the looks, we're not about like the the, the, the glamour, the, the, the social media, blah, 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 the whole thing yeah. that society's telling you. We want to get out what you want to get out, what your personal goals are for. We're not looking next year, we're looking longevity. What yeah. makes Dorsey Healthy Living different from all the other hundreds of thousands of fitness, health? groups, training programs out there?
0: What would you say yeah. that? So I think the biggest thing is the longevity portion. I don't hate social media. I hate it for myself. And as I've done more research into it, like for my business, I'm actually like becoming a big fan of it. And when I think, I think I'm, I'm sort of becoming of the mindset, like when people look at social media, when it comes to influencers and they they like hate social media, I think they're just viewing the wrong things. And so that kind of takes it back to, okay, how does that make me different? I'm not, I don't have aspirations to have a million followers on Instagram or even a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. If I did great, because that just means I have a bigger audience, but I'm not trying like my goal is not to have a million followers for the sake of just like having a million followers. And so I think we've like entered into a culture where we have, this is not in any uh, uh regards to knock influencers, I respect them very highly, because that's their business. Um, and that's what they choose to do in life. And they do help a lot of people. But it can get a little bit convoluted, especially on a platform like Instagram, where you may post a picture, and it could be edited, there's different angles um, that make somebody look a certain way. And if you sell according to those photos, then it can be very misleading in the brain for somebody who's viewing that. And basically says, okay, if I do this, I'll get that. And that's why the crux of ours and I can, you know, our mission statement is to help and inspire you and others to be your best selves every day in everyday life through eating, exercise, and habit creation. Um, So I've carefully worded this so that, you know, it's not about looks. If you would like a certain aesthetic, that's totally okay. Just like I said, but like you said, I'm going for like, what does life look like? Um, How does life look like now? And like, what will my life look like at 60 if I have the necessary habits in place right now? Um, and I think that's what makes us a little bit different is that I don't want to just tell you what to do. I would like to teach you so that as you continue to <clears throat> get older and grow, you can keep those habits for yourself, but then also teach them to your kids and then your kids, kids, and then your kids, 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 and you know, maybe your aunt and uncle and your best friend and like Now it's a big, big web of like education and not just, Hey, do this for eight weeks and you'll look like this. Like I, it's great that people want to do that. I'm just not interested in that because 40 years from now, when I have, you know, if I have grandkids by then, or, you know, have someone away or whatever, when I'm 65, you know, my, my dad was 65. What does that look like for me? Then I would like to throw the baseball, like with my son or like with my grandson or with my granddaughter or like play basketball with her or dance with her, like, whatever that is, but if I don't take care of myself now and instill those habits now, then it's going to make it that much tougher when I get there. That's brilliant
1: because especially in a culture that emphasizes so much immediate gratification, Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing. If all of us just looked ahead to the future a little bit more, but still lived in the present, but thought about the future, I think so much in our society would be different. I was thinking about the other day, like, even just the idea of incentivizing people to be healthier, literally paying people on a monthly basis or whatever. Hey, if you have, if you go to your doctor, your primary care, and you are in this health category or whatever, like looking at health from a different perspective, because I think a lot of people. When you think about health in general or wellness, mindfulness, mental health, physical health, it's something they dread. No, oh, I don't want to work. out. I don't want to eat vegetables. I don't want to get my sleep. Right. And so after reading Atomic Habits and starting to think about this a little bit differently, it's almost like we're, we're wired a certain way. So we as individuals that want to help other people and inspire other people to live a life would we'll be focused on longevity as opposed to immediate gratification, like our mm-hmm. culture says, have to come out of it a different way. What are three daily habits that you personally do could be any sort of habit that is positively contributed to your
0: own fulfillment in life? Yeah, for sure. So I think the biggest one is I've, I don't even want to say convince myself because I truly love it, but I've gotten out of the mindset of I have to work out every day because I don't. And so if I hit six one week, five one week, four one week, totally fine. But it is a necessary habit that I consider daily, even though I may not do it seven days a week. Um, And my mom like really helped, like my mom always talks about this. She doesn't build her schedule around when she's going to work. She builds her schedule around when she can work out. Uh, So she's, she's normally a morning person. If we have flights at 4 a.m., clearly I'm, I'm probably not going to get up at 3 a.m. to work out. But we've now just like moved it. The rest of the day gets put on hold. The workout goes like maybe 6.30 p.m., unless it's obviously like a work call or something. And then like plan the rest of the evening around that. Work, I think exercise is a necessary thing that all humans need to do, even if they don't do it seven days a week. And it's okay, like if some if something comes up that you have to move it, postpone it or something. I woke up last week one day or two days and was like, was going to go to the gym, woke up. I was exhausted. So I just did not in that that's totally okay. But it's become like a necessary, like daily thing for me. Um, and like I said, even though I might not do it seven days a week, it's something that I like plan on because an, even if it's just going to be like 20 minutes of, of something, like I might go bike for 20 minutes. Like even if, if that's all I do, that's totally fine. So that's one. A second one, making sure I'm like fueling my body in a way that's going to benefit me. Nutrition is something that's very, very, very touchy now. And I struggle with it as well. I, you know, going to college, I remember, you know, freshman, sophomore year, I was, and I I eat, you know, plant-based now, but you know, when I first went to college, I was pizza, burger, fries, chicken tenders, brownies, cakes, cookies, all that every single day. It was just there. So I was like, Heck yeah, this stuff tastes good. (laughs) Notre Dame's, I mean, you know, Notre Dame's dining hall is phenomenal. Like I was eating that stuff every day. Um, And then all of a sudden I want to start making a change. I was feeling a little bit slow. And so now it's making sure I feel my body with like the proper things that it needs to keep going. And not necessarily keep going in my workouts, but just like keep going every day. If I don't consume enough protein, like my body's going to continue lose muscle mass, which means I'm going to lose strength. And strength is obviously necessary for continuing lifting weights, but it's also necessary for like my everyday things in life because we pick things up every day. Learning like how to eat like was very important. And now I just feed my body like the necessary things. And just for an example, my break, I, I'm a very boring eater. My wife hates it, um, but I, I will eat very similar things because it got to the point where I definitely enjoy my food, don't get me wrong. Um, And I treat myself all the time. Don't get me wrong there either. But, you know, I I love cookies. I'm going to still eat cookies. It's going to happen, whatever. I eat plant-based burgers like Cheesecake Factory, the Impossible Burger, love that. But, you know, just as an example, my typical breakfast, unless I like stray and eat pancakes or something, which is maybe once every couple of weeks, my typical breakfast that I absolutely love is just oats with blueberries, avocado toast, and a protein shake. Um, So you've got good fats, good fiber. You know, berries are phenomenal for you, protein shake. There's like a lot of good nutrients. And for me, it tastes really good, um, which is why I eat it. So I I enjoy it as well as getting like the benefits of eating something that's extremely well-rounded like that. And then I think my third one, which I've been so terrible about over the last week to 10 days. Hey, um, I'm going to
1: stop you right there. There's (laughs) no judgment, my man. We are in a no good, no bad zone. You you give us this third habit.
0: Yeah. Um, The next one is just water intake you know, before the last week to 10 days when I kind of got hectic in my brain and decided for some reason that I was going to forget to drink my water. I drink a lot of water. I try to drink three of these, like a 25 ounce water bottle, but, and, and my friends actually make fun of me for it in a, in a very joking way, because I literally, I take this with me everywhere I go. Anytime I leave the house, I may forget my phone or my wallet at home, but I've got my water bottle. Um, we're going to a friend's house where they clearly have cups and water. Nope, I've got my water bottle with me. I take that with me everywhere I go um, because hydration is extremely important for recovery and water. I mean, water is just like a very necessary thing. So I think the, the, the big three things for me that have really helped is just like changing my mindset about working out, not knowing or knowing that I don't have to do it every single day, but it's a priority for me now. So work is obviously a priority, uh, but working out is a priority for me as well um, fueling my body with the necessary things to just like continue to keep me going on a, on a daily basis. And then just making sure that I have my water, um, and that I'm actually consuming it. So three very important things that I, I do on a daily basis. I love it, man.
1: And it just, on everything you just said, J Remy, I mean, these, these stats are just popping up in my brain. Our body is 75% water, like our our brain is the fattiest organ. You need good fats, people. You need good fats. I mean, it's crazy too. I was reading stuff a couple of weeks ago and it's like the brain, again, I love the brain, but I mean, this thing that just is our control and everything, man, it weighs approximately 2% of our body weight, roughly three pounds or whatever, give or take, but it consumes 25% of the glucose of the food we put in our body, man, twenty five percent is going to your brain. So everything you just said, I think, is like, boom. It's like it's like making that a priority in life, but not making that the like locking yourself in. Because I've gotten over the years the same thing. Oh, I have to do something. I have to eat this through. And it's like at the end of the day when you change the have to to the I get to. Yeah, I choose exactly. to. Changes everything, man. Exactly. And you start to enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. J. Remy, we got, a, we got a couple couple minutes left of this conversation, man. But I wanted to pivot to a question that I love asking people. What's something that our listeners would be surprised to know
0: about you? Okay. I think the only people who would know this are close friends um, and obviously family. But so I'm 25, my wife is 25. Um, We got married this past September. We've actually been together since we were 16. You know, no other girlfriends or boyfriends in that time. But um, yeah, so we're coming on, I mean, we're coming on almost nine years this June. So that'll be 26 by then. So nine, nine years of 26. But the interesting part in that is we started dating right before junior year of high school. We've actually spent more time of our relationship apart than we have together. Cause I went to school for four years and she stayed home. Um, and then I had an internship with the Braves in Mississippi and then moved to Atlanta before she did. So we spent like a good amount of our relationship apart while like continuing to like definitely make it work and loving each other and stuff like that. So we've been together, we did distance parts of like parts of five and a half years. And we've been together almost nine. Extraordinary, man. That's pretty epic. You,
1: you've gotten yeah. to know Zoe pretty well over these years. Let's just, let's yeah. just say that. And, and, and be, being together and, um, again, just going throughout so many, just going through so many experiences in these last several years But your whole life, what have been maybe two important life principles or values that you think about or try and live your life by?
0: Every yeah. Day? Um, so we've got like a, a family mission statement and um, I've kind of got my own personal one. Um, as far as the values go, you know, I think it's, it's very important to, you know, live your life according to your own values. I think everybody should come up with their own like core set of, of principle, uh, excuse me, principle values to live by. And even, even if they have their own personal mission statement, you know, I re I created this mission statement, maybe, I mean, not even too long ago, and we've always been like a goal setting family, but you know, my, my personal mission statement is to live a godly principle centered life. Emancipating the greatness he put in me by serving, impacting others through the talents, passions, and resources which with, with which God has given me. I obviously know what my different, you know, talents and passions are. Sure. Um, you know, my, my biggest passions are baseball and fitness. My talents, and not necessarily by trade, but like my personability, my communication, um, et cetera. And then by trade, I'm obviously a little bit more analytical, having a stats degree. Um, as far as the values go, you know, I think respect is going to be probably top of the list, right? Respect is something that A, everybody should do, but regardless of what happens, I'm of the opinion, if somebody wrongs you, you still respect them. Um, That's just kind of how I'm wired. I I don't believe anything different. Another one is probably, you know, health and wellness. Like that's obviously very important to me, but um, even before that, that was something my, you know, my parents kind of instilled in my brother and I, something that I've kind of taken head on um, is health and wellness, because I think, I think that's important to be able to do the things that we want to do in life, whether that's like selfishly, which is fine, or selflessly if we're going to, you know, impact and serve others, which is obviously what God calls us to do. And I won't obviously dive into, um, you know, God and religion and things like that, but I am a believer. So I, I do speak on it in order for me to serve and impact others. I've got to take care of myself first. Brilliant, man. The great Matthew
1: Walker, Dr. Matthew Walker, Cal Berkeley, uh, a sleep researcher, one of my biggest mentors. He always uses this brilliant man. It's brilliant. So uh you're 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 sharing some brilliant vibes. Now it's time for what I call five question flash. I got five questions that are more <laughs> just for fun. And I want to hear first things that comes to mind as we both take a take a little sip of the water. I love that. Stay oh, hydrated, yeah. all our listeners. Oh, yeah. Grab your water.
0: Yeah, drink, drink, uh, take a take a sip with us. Everybody sip with us. Ready right now. Really
1: good stuff. That's cold water too. I Dude, love it. Dude, I'm more like a room temp guy, but cold's good too. Okay, we got five questions. First thing that comes to mind, we just want to get to know a little of the, the daily kind of Jay Remy. What does that life look like? Number one, what is the first thing you do when you get home
0: from a day of work? First thing I do, honestly, probably use the restroom. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um first thing that's meaningful um so i'm I'm working from home now um but i'd say the first thing i usually do uh especially if my wife's not home obviously i'll I'll greet my wife is usually the very first thing that i do but if she's if she's not home um it's probably transitioning from day job to business so that's probably the first thing that i i do when i get home excluding like greeting my wife or using the bathroom which are like pretty typical so
1: that's okay Okay, okay.
0: Uh, dude, number two,
1: who are three baseball players of all time who you most look up to? And they don't have to be alive. They don't have to be from the Braves. Three
0: of your inspirations on the diamond. Wow, that's good. Nobody's asked me that before, actually. So I think I think the number one is obviously going to be Jackie Robinson, uh, just paving the way for people who look like me to do what I want to do. And, and not, I mean, granted he was a player. Um, so Bill Lucas is obviously into that. He's the first black GM, but I'll kind of put them together um, as, as pione- as pioneers, one on the field, one in the office. Number two is probably my favorite player um, Colton Wong. He's no longer with the Cardinals, which is where I, you know, had an affinity growing up in St. Louis. And he's, he's currently, he just signed a contract with Milwaukee, but Colton Wong, he's just reminds me of the kind of player that I wanted to be. And then a third one, Let's see Do, you said they have to be a, a player? Anyone associated with baseball whatever okay so I guess the third one would have been uh what's his name Theo Epstein. he was the the GM for the Cubs and uh, Red Sox go. previous to that and obviously he's he's working in the commissioner's office now and he's you know he has three rings, I believe, but the reason I wanted to be a GM was admiring him from afar and he, he was GM of a Red Sox team that was terrible for a very long time and hadn't won a World Series in ages. And he won a World Series ring with them. And then he went to Chicago and did the exact same thing. The dude is smart. I've never met him before. I would love to eventually. Um, Theo, if you're watching this, I would love to meet you one day. <laughs> um, but no, it's the fact that he did that twice is is he didn't just inherit a team that was very good. He built it bottom up and broke two curses. Two curses. Two like of the most known baseball curses ever. He broke two of them. You know, I don't necessarily want to break two curses as well, but <laughs> you know, just just watching that and like how smart he is, how he operates, uh, is something that I like super look up to. So, okay, number three, if you could give a TED talk on a single topic, what would it be and why? My topic would be that carbs are okay to eat. It would be centered around nutrition and that would be the big thing. You said the the brain consumes 25% of the glucose that we put in our body. And for those who don't know, glucose comes from carbohydrates. That's what it is. Um, and so we need those things for our brain to function properly. It's also the quickest source of energy that we need. So, if, <clears throat> whether you work out or not, those carbs are important just for performing the daily functions of life. You know, fats take a little bit more time to metabolize, and so do proteins. Carbs are very quick for metab- metabolizing. And so, our body uses those very quickly. Um, so, if I gave a TED talk, it would be centered around nutrition, with the crux of it being that carbs are good
1: for us. Dude.
0: Freaking love that. You're right. That message has just been,
1: ah, we need we need to push back on that myth in society that carbs are bad. Don't eat your bread or pasta big time. Number four, what's a personal
0: skill set that has served you particularly well over the years? I don't know if this is a particular skill set, but it's something that I've now learned to use to my advantage. But it's my just ability to talk to people. I've always been good at it. I've always been able to like make new relationships literally out of nothing. Um, obviously you and I met in a community where like most of us didn't know each other. Yeah. And I, I went to a school where I didn't know anybody. And then obviously when you're in preschool, you don't know anybody either. So sure. I've, I've really started to like tap into that lately. And so I, I just, I love meeting new people. I love talking to people. And I think that served me very well, both in my, you know, my baseball network, my, my Dorsal Healthy Living Network as I, and it's, it's only growing. Like I, I continue to just meet new people all the time. And, you know, I don't necessarily go into new relationships saying like, how can I like, how can I get something from you? But it's just like, Hey, let's be friends or colleagues or if I can be a, yeah, if I could be a source of energy for you, just let me know that kind of thing. And so I think just my ability to just like get along with people and talk to people and understand them while they understand me and, and express those things is something that has served me very well.
1: You're certainly very good with people. I'll say that firsthand. (laughs) And
0: finally, number five, what's your idea of a fulfilling day? Um, I'm very work centered, um, which is why I'm trying to shift to like a godly, principle centered person. Um, I'm very work centered. So I feel off if I don't think I've done work for the day. And so recently, as recent as a couple months, I have really tapped into like scheduling for myself. Um, I used to schedule daily and that didn't work very well because I just crammed a whole bunch of stuff in one day and then I would like write a list of things to complete over the week but I don't remember which law says it but if you leave a week it'll take a week so I stopped doing that and so now I've I plan daily but over the course of a week and I kind of write down a whole bunch of stuff in the beginning of the week and then shift them into my calendar and even if I don't complete those things for the day I think it's still productive so long as that I feel like I've gotten things done according to my work, but then also in the other areas of my life. So that's talking to family, talking to friends, spending time with my wife. For me, it's just like the flexibility in knowing that like I've I've planned for the week, but even if I don't get everything done, it can still be fulfilling so long as I like remain flexible and like, did I look into this? Like, etc.
1: As Tim Ferriss would say, if it's not on the calendar, it ain't gonna happen, man. <laughs> yeah, that's so I love that true. you're- <laughs> You're using the calendar, man. It's the be- yeah. one of the best tools we got. Jay Rummy, it's been such a joy having you on Living Is You. I got one final question for you, man, and then we'll let you get on to changing the world, Dorsey Health Living, and the baseball operations for the Braves. If you, if someone gave you the opportunity to display a single message on a billboard that would be seen by millions of people, a message from your dad a message that you try and live your life by maybe one piece of advice that he's given you or something that he left you with what would that message be
0: wow I think on that for a couple seconds a few different things kind of come to mind oof this is tough okay I gotta pick between the two that are circling in my head right now hmm wow i'm not gonna lie you've kind of stumped me on this one a little bit usually i'm I'm like very good with answers um as i you know give me both of them prepared all right so i'll give you two um the first one would be make sure that you prioritize yourself in life because you've only got one life so the message would be do what you do the things that you love because you only have one life to live it or one life to live the second thing would be something around i didn't This is not like a quote message or anything, but something along the lines of serving others and impacting others is the reason that I believe God has put us on this earth for the masses and not just for ourselves. Finding a way that we can serve others and impact other people is always going to be important. So I think those are the two messages that I would in some form you know, obviously I have to reword them so that they're kind of shorter and they fit on the billboard but something along the lines of both of those things so i'm a very big proponent of chase the things that you want in your life because we only can do this one time and you don't want to look back at 80 and ask what could have been and then i'm also a huge proponent of like serving the masses as well
1: i love it man thank you this was epic this was epic. Yeah. I know there's some great things coming in 2021, my man, thank you so much for
0: the time, the conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me on Pat I, I mean, I super appreciate it. And this was fun and I enjoyed this a lot. So thank you.
1: Our music today was created by current freelance producer and editor Bruno Jimenez Duarte. You can find more of Bruno's music at brunohd.com or check out his latest work, and Spotify. This week's unsung hero is director, cinematographer, and editor, Justin Nelson. An alumni of the Inspiring Children Foundation, Justin has been a frequent presence in the foundation the last eight years as a self-employed professional videographer. Thank you, Justin, for your recent work and dedication to capturing the beautiful foundation 2021 graduation ceremony last week. Your work resulted in memories and true joy for all the graduates in the months and years to come. I definitely recommend checking out Justin's work on his YouTube channel, Happy Fox Productions. You won't be disappointed. And until we meet again, don't forget to keep living as you.